Hey, hey, this is Mark Thompson, narrator of a bunch of the Star Wars audiobooks, and you are listening to The Living Force. May the Force be with you. Welcome to The Living Force Podcast. Hello there. A Utini Podcast Network production. Master Qui-Gon. Episode 170, Obi-Wan Kenobi Series Review. Well... Took you long enough. On this episode, the Utini Patreon of the Week. Beginning to think you'd never come. New details on the Andor Disney Plus series. I was always here, Obi-Wan. You just were not ready to see. And the Utini crew discusses the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Come on, you've got a ways to go. And now, here are your hosts. Dr. Corey Helton, Eric Eilerson, Dr. Charles Henkel, and Wes Jenkins. Utini! Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Living Force, a Utini Network podcast all about Obi-Wan Kenobi this evening. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Eilerson, and joining me tonight are three of the raddest dudes in the world. That's right. They're the hot dog eating contest of friendship. Starting off with a doctor. I have a lot of time on my hands. Corey Helton. Hello. What's up, bud? Hello, everyone. Uh, good. Good, man. Good. I'm uh, happy to be here on another Monday night on this uh, Independence Day, which has admittedly not been the greatest uh, Independence Day in American history so far. Um, yeah, a lot of shit going on out in the real world, man. And it sucks. Yeah. I'm glad we have each other here and uh, everybody's safe because you're in the Chicago region, Eric. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you're listening to this on Friday, this was the day um, that uh, some folks in Highland Park, which is a suburb of Chicago, there was a mass shooting. Um, as of going live, though, uh, they have apprehended the shooter in custody, uh, which is great. He was at large for a few hours, which was obviously very nerve-wracking. Um, did have a lot of people reach out to me and Charlie and ask if we're safe, so thank you. We are. We're okay. We were in a movie when it happened, actually. Uh, not a great time to silence your phone, but I uh, was very glad to come out. Um and hope that everyone in Highland Park are doing okay. I cannot imagine going to a parade with your family and expecting to have a nice relaxing time and being witness to that. Um, but it's been a very hard day, and at least it ends with it being over for now. And I hope that going forward, uh, this just stops freaking happening. Uh, yeah. yeah, a little close to home, but really glad to be with you guys tonight. And to everyone, again, that, that reached out. Thank you uh, for the love, and it, it is, there's nowhere else I'd rather be to kind of raise our spirits back up, and uh, those spirits are raised, and some spirits were felt. See, I still got the segues, even in tragedy. Uh, mm. By none other this week than Dr. Charles Hankel. Hey, buddy. Hey, guys. I'm glad to be here tonight. Happy 4th. I, I think we might have missed an opportunity to call tonight's show, like, the living 4th. No? Yes? Oh, my gosh. No? We I, did. I like no, we did. You're right. Forth. We missed Next it. Next time. Next time. Yeah. We can't change anything now, obviously. It's all set in stone um, because it was, it was chiseled into stone with arduous effort and grit and artistic integrity by none other than the master digital sculptor, Wes Jenkins. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out how soon I should cut to myself as you go into your diatribe. Uh, I, tried, I, tried, I tried pretty hard to put a, put a little get-up together. So I'm wearing my softball jersey. You can see. Oh, has a wow, dude! Slow burn. Eagle on it, and Uncle Sam's face. You can see that right here. Wow. <laughs> I have my, my chubbies. No. Wes. And then the fishing hat. Cause I'm all there. Wait, what? I got green underwear on though, so Wes? don't. 
Wow. What's that? What number are you? Oh, I'm double zero. Dude. You son of a gun. That's great. <laughs> I love it. You look, you look, you always look great, Wes, but, but tonight there's something very special to it. So, uh, looking good and all of you watching all of you listening i'm sure you're looking good too i just know that i know that about you we have that kind of relationship and of course if you're watching make sure that you're subscribed to our lovely channel for everything that's coming out on the teeny youtubes make sure you like this video and whether you're listening to us auditorily or watching us on youtube we mentioned this a few weeks back but we have gotten some questions fellas so i just wanted to kind of start reiterating this if you are looking for all of the living force videos on youtube You'll notice they are not on the main channel page anymore. Usually you get, what is it, Corey, a week or two now yeah. on the main channel? So we get about right, two something weeks. Like that. Um, and then they go to an unlisted play, uh, unlisted video on a playlist. So if you do want to go back and marathon the Living Force here on YouTube, make sure you go to our YouTube channel, hit the playlist tab, and there you can find all of our shows, first of all. But you can also see all the Living Force episodes are in a playlist. They're not deleted. They didn't go anywhere. This is a heads up. Another fun thing, if you're watching us, I want to give uh, your attention over here. I made another Lego, guys, because I had a tough week. Uh, so I bought, <laughs> I bought a Millennium Falcon, uh, made it on, a, I think it was what? Friday night. A Millennium <laughs> Falcon. A Millennial Falcon. I heard, I heard it differently, it but... Yeah. <laughs> the Millennium Falcon is from Rise of Skywalker. It took me like seven hours, but it was a great time. Um, I'm not Holy sure where it's going crap. yet. I took, some, I took a break to go to Starbucks, but... It was a great time. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, I was I was able to show them off, and it's my favorite new hobby. So that was great. Um, a little more stressful hobby though happened this week, fellas. On Thursday, uh, when we all tried to log on and get our Star Wars Celebration tickets, well, two of us did. Uh, Corey, I know you and I were on there at drop. How'd that go? Well, it was. Uh... Something else, I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, what did tickets. happen? You and I got tickets, though. We should start there. We should start there. We both got tickets. Yeah, we both got tickets. I tried to get VIP and uh, listeners. Anybody out there that has uh, some kind of connection to getting the VIP, you gotta hook me up, man, because I was ready to pull the trigger on that this year, and it was all gone as soon as I got in there. And I was like one of the first people. I think Eric, you were first on the team to get mm -hmm. tickets, and I was a pretty close second. And uh, they were all gone while I was there. Were they there when you got to it? Do you remember? I, I saw them. I, there was the option to choose them, but we were so rushed that I didn't even do an experiment yep. because yeah. they, because they did the dumb thing where when you, you picked your tickets this year, you also say, well, what are you most excited to find? There was like two other dumb survey questions, and I'm like, All right, if I'm going to answer these survey questions and miss out on getting tickets, I'm going to be so pissed. Um, <laughs> but we got them. I know I've seen a lot of folks on Twitter. Some folks had to go, and folks on our team as well, had to go to like four single days or something, but... It seems like most people were able to get them. Um, again, if you didn't, just like this year, I'm sure by the time celebration comes around, about a month or two ahead of time, there will be the the re what was the resale market will be available for folks that now can't go. But uh, but it was it was something. It was something getting these tickets. Uh, but I was glad to finally get them. I did get my shipping and billing information, which was incorrect when I bought them. Uh, changed. It's confirmed. I you know got a shirt, got the pin and. Um, yeah, I don't have a flight yet, and I'm, and I'm pretty sure I'm going. I'm like, pretty sure Charlie and I will be there, but it, but we figured we'll get the tickets, you know, and see what happens uh, come April. So, fingers crossed, everyone. If you got your tickets, I hope you're excited. Uh, let us know if you're going, obviously, on Twitter, Discord, YouTube comments. We want to know if you're going, because we want to meet you. We want to see you in April uh, when we all go to London together. Speaking of traveling places, haha. <laughs> 
We also want to plug, uh, next week, we are doing another crossover event in the Uchini Podcast Network. Recently, uh, we had our Kenobi week. I say recently. This was, I don't know, time's fake. Uh, it was in May. Uh, so we had, our, <laughs> we had our Kenobi crossover event. We're doing another one amongst all the live shows and some of the rec- uh, pre-recorded shows as well. Um, and it's called Star Tours, uh, where each show is going to take a planet, and we're going to tell you some information about it. We're going to kind of go through the history and either canon or legends, uh, tell you about some stories revolving around them. So if you're a fan of the classic Disney ride, which is celebrating its 35th anniversary this year, we're going to put you right in the seat. We're going to strap you in, and we're going to take you on a ride to some of our favorite planets, and that is next week. So make sure to see us again on Monday night, our friends of the Cosmic Force on Wednesday, our friends on Legends Look Back on Thursday, and of course, a bunch of other shows kind of sprinkled throughout. Um, Corey, I do believe we're going to miss you next week during that. But without giving away what our planet is, um, fellas, how how excited are you about what our second crossover? It's a little bit of a new thing. Um, yeah. But also this kind of idea. It was kind of like our summer vacation idea. Yeah. You know? Uh, this is fun. I mean, these crossovers are fun events because uh, it gives us a chance to interact with the other shows. And we're all on the same Slack team, so it's not like we don't get to hang out anyway. But, you right. know, um, it's a lot of fun to do this type of thing. And uh, Jared has been especially helpful in putting all these together over from mm-hmm. uh, Legends Look Back. So shout out to you, man. Um, but, yeah, this is going to be fun. I'm excited. I'm going to have to make sure I film a video or something to, to throw some things. So yeah. I'll be on vacation next week. Uh, but, you know, got to make time for this. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to um, try to travel to some of these different destinations within the planet that we pick. Um, I'll have a discussion with these uh, gentlemen here um, probably tonight and throughout the week about where I should be traveling to. And um, make sure you tune in next week to see kind of a special event that the TLS is on for everybody. <laughs> I'm getting tingly. I'm getting tingly Thank already. You. Just thinking about it, Wes. You got to use all those miles that you've been banking for the last couple decades, you know? Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> Interstellar miles. Well, we'll see you guys next week for that. Uh, and again, tune into all of our shows. If you don't already, we, you know, we love them. Uh, but make sure next week especially you get to kind of see that unified event. And, of course, none of this is possible without the amazing support we get from our friends over on Patreon.com slash Utini. And speaking of our Patreon community, Wes, we have a thing this week. We do. It's back. What is it? <laughs> it's our Patreon of the Week. Go! Hi, my name is Brandon Medley, and I live in a small town in southwest Georgia. I saw the Ewok movies in the original trilogy on TV as a little kid. I remember everyone in my kindergarten class talking about what Darth Vader looked like under his helmet the morning after Return of the Jedi aired. But I became obsessed with Star Wars when I was 12 and got the 1995 VHS box set. As a teenager, I read a bunch of Star Wars books, my first being The Truce at Baccarat, and my favorites being the X-Wing series. During grad school, I fell away for several years, and when I tried to come back, I was overwhelmed by all the new material. But then they launched the new canon, I bought a new Dawn on release day, and I've mostly kept up since. My favorite Star Wars character is Leia. Her inclusion in Obi-Wan Kenobi made me love that show even more, which I didn't think would be possible. I love her perseverance and how she uses her privilege and power to fight for what's right, and she does it her whole life, even when things seem bleak and others have given up. I was aware of Utini during the book box days, but I became a regular last year when I discovered the YouTube channel, and in particular, The Living Force. I love that y'all actually like Star Wars, 
Charles, Eric, Wes, and Corey, you all quickly came to feel like friends to me. In fact, seeing your Asheville video is what inspired me to join the Patreon and support this thing I love. My question for you all, who would be a canon book or comic character you'd like to see transition to the screen a la Cobb Vanth or Black Chrysanthemum? I would not be surprised to see Ray Sloan pop up in the Mando era shows, and I'm hoping to see Rael Averos in Tales of the Jedi. But my dream would be Peekpa. Thanks, guys. Peekpa! Yes! <laughs> uh, Brandon, obviously Brandon in the chat. Awesome video, man. What a great Southwest, question. Southwest Georgia, too. That's like uh, kind of mine. I, I went to med school down there, right? So, yeah. like, Brandon, you have to tell us. In the, I think you're in the chat, right? Isn't, that, isn't him in the yeah. chat? It is, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got to tell us where, where that is because uh, I've been neighbors for a while there, man. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a fantastic question, and I have an immediate answer. Do you guys have an answer already? I got some ideas, but you go first, buddy. <clears throat> All right, so I've been uh, I've been listening to uh, just finished up my residency, right? And I was had this hour and a half commute, and you guys have heard me talk about listening to a bunch of audiobooks. And I've been listening to the uh, the old Air of the Empire trilogy again, and uh, like for the first time in like a decade, it's been a really long time since I've listened to those books or read those books. And uh, I have to say um, that first of all, they really hold up uh, a lot better than I remember that they do, uh, which is amazing considering their age and everything. Um, but I think I I know it really is. I think I have to I think I have to jump on board on the uh on the Mara Jade train, man. Like Whoa! she's just I like yeah. I know that's uh Good that's answer. There are some uh, there are some circles in which it's almost a li- almost like a toxic opinion <laughs> to say that yeah, like yeah, Margie yeah. they they got rid of her and everything but I mean listen she's a really really good character a really strong character yeah, yeah. like a really powerful woman like I-, I would love to see something done with her even if it's like you know it can't be canon that I mean I guess it could be I guess she could have died before like the the sequel trilogy I mean that could have happened yeah. like if they could make that canon but or had like a really just messy divorce with Luke. Like, there's a whole thing where they like, go to court. Like she got the dog. Yeah. Wait, that's why he's yeah. on Octo. He actually has lost a different... the rest of the galaxy in the well, divorce. Yeah, exactly. That's a very different exactly. Jedi trial. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, Charles? Charles. Charles. What? That was great. Thank that was you. a really good joke. Thank you for stopping the whole show. I know. We got it. <laughs> All right. Solid. Um, I, have, I have another. Uh, I, have, I have two that popped into my head. There's one that I'm going to mention. If, 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 if Wester or Charles don't, I, I'm going to mention one that's kind of like more popular especially in our spheres but there's a duo i'd love to see and um brandon actually reminded me of this with ray sloan is uh Sinjir and jasamari from the aftermath books i would love to see that duo um pop up that like their uh friendship chemistry in the aftermath trilogy is some of my favorites and i mean disney seems super into that era the between episode six and episode seven right now it seems like they're kind of making building that out a bit with the mandoverse so Sinjir Red Velas and Jess Samari just show up. I think that would be really cool just to see them. I think they're like they got a lot of um, <clears throat> attitude and they're a little like witty, which seems to be I think would translate very well to screen. It'd be very fun to see them kind of like trade shots back and forth. Um, which reminds me, I think there, I think Sinjir had a quote in Aftermath that I always go back to, and it's like he's talking to someone that's flirting with Jess, and he's like, "If you hurt her." I will, I will, like, find every possible way I've ever been trained to, to give you pain or something like that. Like, it's very fun. I would love to see those two come back from the Aftermath trilogy. Wes Charles, what about you guys? Uh, I one. also have two answers because one, one answer that I'll say first is the one that I think 
Yeah, definitely. <laughs> it's the one that I think would be the coolest to see executed. Oh God, not exe- not the character executed. <laughs> like the <laughs> bring him back it just be, to kill him. <laughs> I'm gonna reel that back in. No, the you'll understand what I mean in a second. Uh, it's Zeb. It's Zeb Aurelios. Yeah, I think yeah. after seeing them do Black Chrysanthemum, like seeing a character like that done would be incredible. Especially we, we're hearing some rumblings, some whisperings about some rebels connections, oh, things sure. we might see in the future. Right. So who knows? Maybe. Um, but my actual answer is the. Answer that I think would be maybe the most fulfilling answer for uh, maybe Utini and all of our book journeys. How about Sienna Ree and Thane Kyrell? How about yeah, that? Man. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, uh, where is it? In, in Zane Membrane down there says, I love the characters from Lost Stars. I mean, yeah, that would... There you go. Just, uh, like, even, even like, you know, like, uh, Lieutenant Kyrell to the hangar. Like, just even if it's, like, that little thing to start, it would really be great to see those two yeah. pop back up. If, if we can't yeah, get that yeah. sequel book, just throw them on Disney Plus. I'll I'll keep subscribing. <laughs> what do you think, Wes? What about some of the droids that we haven't actually gotten a lot of screen time with? Because yeah. I'm sure everybody loved to see Chopper more than the like half yeah. a second. I think that we've yep. seen him before. Yeah, um, I'm still not sure I've ever seen him in Rogue One. Every single time I've ever tried, <laughs> and we have watched it together twice, and I still didn't find it either time. So we're all just gaslighting also, you, Corey. Everyone in the community, <laughs> like, like, don't tell Corey. He's right there. Did you see him? Did you see him? Seriously, <laughs> every time. Um, I'd also like to see uh, Vi Moradi outside of like. Oh, yeah. Galaxy's Edge stuff. Yeah. Just have her, just have her walk by on that like iconic blue hair and that jacket, and you're just like, yeah. oh, I know who that is. Or maybe I like maybe is. at a maybe in a bar and like or like at a cantina, like she's at the bar and just like yeah, you yeah. can just tell who it is because of the jacket and stuff. Uh-huh. That'd be sweet. Yeah, I like, like that. Like Finland Boss and Phantom Menace, where you're like, oh, oh, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, so Justin in the chat said the one I wanted to make sure we got to. If we didn't, uh, Doctor Afra really does seem. <clears throat> Like, the logical yeah. next one, it really feels like we're going somewhere with Afra showing up. Um, <clears throat> would obviously love that. And then, of course, I think it goes without saying, especially in our community, any kind of High Republic character, if oh, they go yes. that way, I mean, the Acolyte is going to be yeah. near the end of it. We'll see. But for right it's now, I think, an, I, I, I don't know if we're going to quite touch that era just yet. But maybe yeah. some Force Visions of, like, Avar Chris. That'd be fun. That'd be fun. Yeah. Let's throw that in there. Um Another great one. Oh, Cardinal would be amazing. Asajj. There's just so many. Uh, I'm, loving, I'm loving all of these. And, of course, if you're listening to this, watching this later on, let us know who do you want to see make the jump because, I mean, it's, it's, really, it's really possible. Uh, so thank you, Brandon, for the question. Thanks for the video, man. It means so much for you to be a part of this community. Obviously, we love seeing you every Monday night in the chat and hanging out with you, and it means so much that you love supporting our community. And, of course, if you want to join Brandon and all the rest of our folks over there, go to patreon.com slash utini or utini.com slash patreon and check us out. Uh, recently, this week, we just uploaded a video of me unboxing the High Republic limited edition books from Celebration. I finally opened them on camera. You got my first very wow-filled reactions, which how beautiful they were. Uh, so if that kind of content is interesting to you, we're going to keep pumping that out over on the Patreon. All right, Wes, we got one very important story for the Star Wars Weekly Roundup. It's the Star Wars Weekly Roundup! So while we don't know what book and comic characters may be coming next to live action, we do know what live action is coming next, and that is Andor, the show that's coming out in Check's Watch less than two months from today. 
That's insane. Uh, but we did get some new information and an image courtesy of Empire Magazine today. The image shows the, God, just, just truly beautiful uh, Cassie and Andor uh, <laughs> riding on a speeder. He is aboard that speeder, of course, with Stellan Skarsgård's new character, Luthen. Uh, they're hanging out. And in addition to that image, we did get some really cool <laughs> info about how the show is going to work. Uh, we did hear at Star Wars Celebration that it's going to be two seasons, each of 12 episodes. The first season is going to be five years before Rogue One. And then, guys, we found out, I believe in here, that the second season is going to be split up essentially into qu- quarters, three-episode chunks. The first three-episode chunk is four years before Rogue One. The second three-episode chunk is three years the third three-episode chunk is two years, and the last three-episode chunk is one year. So we get kind of like four sections yeah. of the season. What do you guys think about this? This is like really regimented in a way we've never seen any of the series go so far. Yeah, uh, it really is. I mean, it sounds super interesting. I mean, I'm never going to forget the the director came on stage and legitimately did say that they were each going to be 23 episodes. I, I'm sure he didn't mean to say that, but he absolutely yeah. said that. At Star Wars I think he said that was the, it was the original probably what he pitched. And they're like, okay, listen, man, we'll give you a lot of money. Not that much money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, yeah, yeah. This is uh, this is like the most. I feel like this is the most timeline information we've ever gotten about one of these live action shows. Yep. I mean, they usually keep it really vague, like you know. Mando is 20 years or whatever, 10 years after uh, Rache and things like that, right? But, like, mm-hmm. this is interesting. The fact that they're planning it out like this, like, like in three-episode chunks is super interesting. Like, is, is it going to yeah. feel – is it going to be obvious? Like, is it going to be, like – is there going to be, like, a big story arc, like, that we're going to get, like, in the three episodes? Then, it, like, kind of like uh, season seven of uh, Clone Wars. Remember, there were, like, very distinct storylines in the season. I think that's what we're getting. Because yeah. it looks like based on uh, – I'm, I'm looking at Andor News on Twitter as well, who kind of mm-hmm. had a lot of good stuff about this. Um, and I feel like in season one, it'll probably be, like – one big chunk to get us introduced to the cast and the vibe. Like, yeah. we'll, we'll mm-hmm. learn about all of them. <clears throat> and apparently, for the directors, they're, the directors are directing three-episode chunks. So, like, the, one of the directors from Black Mirror is doing one, two, three, and eight, nine, and ten. A uh, director from Billions is doing four, five, six. And a, a director from The Crown is doing seven, and we're the 11 and 12. But most of them are kind mm-hmm. of, like, directing their own pieces. So I think mm-hmm. that might be where we're going, that even in terms of visual style and storytelling maybe we'll really get these, like, solid chunks. It reminds me of, like, how, yeah. you know how the books sometimes go part one and then chapter whatever, whatever, part two, chapter, yeah, yeah. chapter, chapter? So uh-huh, maybe it'll yeah. be like that. I think that'd be cool. That would be cool. Yeah, we've seen the arcs, the story arcs, but not, like, a timeline-wise where you right. skip skip years or whatever. Um, I think it's really interesting. I also think it's interesting that um, character behind Andor here looks like he's about to yak because he's going way too fast. <laughs> Look at him. <laughs> I love it. He does, man. Come on now. Stone. I mean, poor Stone Skarsgård. Which, by the way, what a renowned actor, but weirdly in a lot of nerd stuff. Like, dude was in Thor. He's yeah, Dr. He Selvig. He's in Dune. He's in Andor. Like, right. I-, I love these, like, really successful actors that are like, yeah, I'll do the sci-fi, though. That stuff's fun. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go on a speeder. Why not? Yeah. Uh, cannot wait for this. Um, apparently, there's going to be a bigger article in the issue of Empire that comes out, I think, either later this month or next month. Um a lot of the magazines really been killing it this year with a lot of the Disney Plus stuff, like the like the Vanity Fair one with with all like the Kenobi and all them earlier. Yeah, and Empire. I I I love this stuff. I I really yeah. love the little preview articles. I get the hype going, man. Yeah, for sure, for sure. This wow. is gonna be a ton of fun. Um, and Andor is I don't know. It feels like because it's so connected to a, a movie, like it feels kind of 
like higher stakes in a weird way. Like, I mean, does it feel like that's you guys? It feels like Kenobi level to me. Like Kenobi felt like the stakes were really high, but like, I haven't felt like that with Mando and stuff. Like, so I don't know. It's exciting. I mean, it's a character from the big screen and just fleshing it out. Like it's, it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. The trailer really sucked me in to want to watch this. Like as soon as it, as soon as it comes out. I still think that dude makes the weirdest noise before he hits that drum. I don't. I, don't remember, I, I literally don't remember what, that. What sound did he make, Charles? I don't. I, I was don't know. too busy screaming like a little girl, like to <laughs> notice right. it. I was too freaked out. Exactly. Yeah, man, it's gonna be awesome. I mean, seeing Cassie Andor, Mommy Mothma, Mon Mothma. Sorry, um, <laughs> it's, just, it's gonna be a. It's gonna be something, and maybe we'll actually get Funkos uh, on time. <clears throat> anyway, that's neither here nor there. Doubt. <laughs> Press X for doubt. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, cannot wait for that. Of course, it's it's, it's just gonna be incredible. Uh, yeah, I'm just very excited for Andor. Again, check out that. I, I double-checked this. That issue of Empire is actually going to be out on the 7th this week. So go check wow. out full articles in there and get ready for Andor when it comes out on August 31st. And, of course, until then, you got plenty of stuff you could be reading. Come on, guys. we got stuff. Shadow of the Sith came out last week. People are loving this. I'm not sure if you guys have seen. Twitter, our community people are just devouring this book. They um, are indeed. And, and thank you to everyone who has checked out our reviews, both on the site, on the channel, our interview with Adam Christopher. Uh, it's really fun whenever we get a really intense release day. Uh, but, of course, if you know anything about Star Wars, you know that we're already looking forward to the next one, which is Padawan, coming out in July 26th. Um, all about young Obi-Wan Kenobi by Kirsten White. And then, of course, The Princess and the Scoundrel uh, by Beth Rewis, which is coming out on <laughs> August 16th. That is three weeks between wow. book releases. <laughs> wow. um, oh, dear. That's shorter. <laughs> oh, dear. There'll be, there'll be thoughts. <laughs> yeah. It'll be okay. No, you're not laughing. <laughs> you're laughing. I'm not laughing. <laughs> well, everyone else, make sure you go to the utini.com release schedule. It's going to have all the list updates for you. The comics, the books, so much great Star Wars coming out uh, to keep you on your toes. And who knows, maybe someday we'll tell you when the Lego sets are being released to get more affiliate money, but that's that's further down the road. <laughs> anyway, that's enough talking about future Star Wars, everyone. Let's talk about the past Star Wars. Nay, the current Star Wars, because we did just get done. It really feels like it's been forever, but we did just get done with Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, the show. Uh, and that's what tonight's show is all about. We obviously have talked a lot about Obi-Wan on our sister show, Bounty Hunt, which the four of us took each episode individually, went bit by bit, kind of summarized, talked about really specifically as it was airing. If you if you like that or if you like that kind of content, go check out Bounty Hunt. It's on a different podcast stream or it's on this very YouTube channel. But tonight, we know that not everyone listens to every show. That's fine. We don't blame you. We wanted to take an entire episode on the main channel, on the main show, to just talk about this series. Uh, for those of you that may not have heard our thoughts yet... Uh, we really just wanted to go in a big overall look. It's been a while since it ended. We sat with it. We've retweeted the gifts. Um, and that's what tonight is all about. But before we dive into that, I did want to highlight something that I don't know if you've seen, guys. Uh, Star Wars themselves, both on Twitter and on YouTube, did drop a behind-the-scenes video this past week starring the marvelously talented and incredibly wonderful Christina Ariel who was actually on the show as an extra, and they got this, like, video diary of her being on the show, getting in costume, meeting Ewan, all the way up to her being at Celebration, meeting Ewan again and talking about the show. Did you guys check this video out yet, by the way? Uh, I have not seen no. it, but I, I have Even seen, I have seen all of her tweets and stuff with the screenshots, and so I have seen all those things. So, But I haven't seen yeah. the video. 
Yeah, it's really fun. It's a nice, like, I'm sure they're going to do a Disney gallery on this. Like, they've done all the other ones, which I'm sure mm, will devour. But, yeah, yeah right. I, I want to see all of it. But it's really great because you get her just, like, talking to Ewan in a hallway while he's, like, holding the book, going to set, being like, so what? Did you always want to be an actor? He's like, yeah, yeah. And she told him what the High Republic show is. And he's like, oh, I'd be on that. That sounds fun. It's like, oh, my God. I'd be on that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, so we know at least Ewan McGregor has heard the words High Republic. And I think that's a win for all of us. Um, but, guys, let's start out very basically. Full spoilers. Going ahead. Everyone, come on. Come on. You've seen it. You've seen it. Uh, full spoilers going ahead. Let's start very broad here, guys, on this 4th of July. How did we like the story of the show Obi-Wan Kenobi? Charles, this is your boy. You've said it a bunch on Bounty Hunt. Let's go to the main feed. How did you like the overall story of Obi-Wan Kenobi? I loved it. I was definitely surprised by the angle that they took. I think most people were, right? I don't think that anyone went into this show thinking that there was going to be heavy use of a young Leia in that kind of, uh, what do they call it, the cub in... What is Lone it? Wolf what is it Cub. called? Lone Wolf and Cub. Cub. Yeah. Thank Cub. you. Yeah. yeah. Well, they, well, they heard um, that she was Brandon's favorite character, so they had to do it. Right. <laughs> well, but I don't think anyone was expecting that angle. Um, I, I think that it was a really interesting angle to take, and once I just kind of accepted that's kind of where we're going, and I was just along for the ride, I loved it. I mean, um, I think that they did a fantastic job of – telling a story that was still suspenseful despite knowing what had to happen more or less to characters, right? They're not going to kill Darth Vader. Uh, we know that going in. They're not going to kill Obi-Wan Kenobi. But there are, there are stakes that can be had within a series short of someone dying. And I think they did a really good job of building that up. Um, there are other stories they could have told, right? A, a lot of people came into this and said, well, why didn't they do this or this or this? The answer is, because this is the one they liked. And, you know, Ewan is on the record as saying that they did a bunch of different story treatments and he was, you know, well aware of what they were doing and really loved this story. And I think that counts for something too. So, you know, overall, if I, if I am just trying to be short here and stop uh, beating around the bush, I loved it. Yeah, I, I love that idea too that, you know, we got to trust that Ewan McGregor knows Obi-Wan Kenobi a little bit. You know, I think that there's a really good amount that he loves about that character. And you're so right, Charles, that he was because he was so involved since the beginning. This is the story they all wanted to tell. And I think I agree that that really showed uh, throughout that there was a lot of passion and intention involved in it. And I really like that. Uh, Wes, what do you think, man? How did the story land for you overall? I mean, like Charles said, I appreciate a good swerve from the from the thinking of what everybody thought this was going to be was it going to be him watching luke grow up and kind of help him steer the path of some plot points or something but having it be young leia nobody thought that and i love that and having like and seeing a young actress like this or actor Mm -hmm. and actually do the characterization that um that we saw out of leia in the 70s was amazing she was so good at her at her acting that made us think like this is this is leia organa even when she was a child and then like those mannerisms have she's grown up with those and that's how she's gonna act she was very very um mature for a 
eight year old, but she's portraying a ten year old, I guess. But yeah, um, I really, I really appreciated the acting in this because there was a lot of good acting in the yeah, TV was. series. Mm-hmm. They have, I mean, I've media has flipped from film to TV shows and streaming services, yep. and you get just as good as quality as you would as going to the cinema. Yeah, Vivian Lee yeah. Blair was such a standout of the show, and and I, I get sad about losing Carrie Fisher a, a lot in re- everyday life. But since the show has ended, I've actually had a lot of times where I've like been, oh my god, can you imagine how much Carrie would have loved meeting this little girl? And like, oh my god. like the two yeah, of them, sure. she would have been just blown away. And I also think she would have said, if you say anything against this little girl, I will kill you. You know, <laughs> I think that she would have just defended her and loved her so much. Uh, uh, Corey, what about you, man? I mean, I know on Bounty Hunt you talked about how much this series really blew you away, but story-wise, what did this do for you specifically? Um, I love the show. Um, I thought it was far and away the most interesting story that we've gotten out of live action so far. I can't believe they were able to achieve what they did with six episodes. And, uh, I mean, I loved every single minute of it. I mean, I, I'm going to, I'm going to remember watching those first two episodes of celebration for the rest of my life. Like without a doubt, it's like one of the, I mean, it's a core memory, man. Like seriously, it was really awesome. Um, love that. The reveal of, uh, of Leia being in the show, little girl Leia is incredible. I mean, that was just mind blowing that when we watched that, uh, live, (laughs) like that was just crazy. I, I, nobody expected it at all. And I cannot believe they kept it under wraps. I'm so glad they did. I mean, I love the show. I mean, I really did. I thought the I thought the writing was very good. I thought the acting was phenomenal. It was it was the perfect amount of nostalgia without feeling fan servicey. I mean, like I really had a a damn near perfect experience watching this show. I mean, it was pretty dang close. You know, there was a couple small things that took me out in like one episode, but like overall, like it was a ten out of ten experience, man. Like if I get that out of every Star Wars show, like in every Star Wars media that I've ever like we were gonna we're ever gonna get in the future, like that's 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 as close to perfect to me as you can possibly get in my eyes. Yep. So, you can know, yeah. I can that. I go one step further? And <clears throat> I, I want to make a point yeah. that I made on Bounty Hunt that I think is one of the most salient things I said this season on Bounty Hunt, and it is Ooh. that I think if you didn't enjoy this show, which is allowed, you didn't have to love this show, right? You can not like things and move on. But I think if you didn't enjoy the show, you might be approaching some of these Star Wars projects the wrong way. And the reason I say that is I don't think you could honestly find something about that show, whether you didn't like the Leia decision, maybe you didn't like the acting here, maybe you didn't like the, how that one CGI shot looked here. If you can take that and make that ruin the experience for you where you need to just talk about the negative points, you might be approaching this the wrong way. I'm just going to make that suggestion, guys. I'm sorry. Um, there was so much about this show that was good. I think if if you... You have to step back and ask yourself, why am I watching this show? I think that's what it comes down to. Are you watching Mm -hmm. it to enjoy yourself? Are you watching it for the story? I would argue the vast majority of us are are doing that. Are you watching it to see top-of-the-line CGI? Probably not. Are you watching it to to see Obi-Wan sit on Tatooine the whole time, and when that didn't happen, you're mad? Probably not. I mean, just approach the show, accept it as it comes to you, don't go in with expectations, right? We always say this, manage your expectations. And I think you're going to have a great time. And that's, that's why we're all here is to have a good time. So yeah. if you yeah. don't like it, that's fine. Yeah. Move on. But when someone comes to you and, and is excited about this project and what it meant to them and this and that, don't respond to that by saying, ah, oh, it didn't do it for me. You know what I mean? Like just yeah. let them enjoy it and have fun. Yeah. Or like the, the assumptive nature of, of these shows is always tough for me too. And people are like, 
I mean, yeah, but, I mean, come on. They did do this wrong, though, didn't they? It's like, if the person isn't offering a criticism, then no. <laughs> they do not think that, you know? And I yeah. think that, like, we were, we were very vocal on The Living Forest and Bounty Hunt before the show dropped. That like I can't imagine how they'll get off Tatooine, and in the first episode they're like, "Hey, guess what? This always getting off Tatooine." I'm like, "We'll set up a bitch, all right? That works." It was smooth. It was done really well. I know. Yeah, yeah, and and I think one one things that that Wes, you already started mentioning, and I want to get in with you guys now as well as the story, which I thought was immaculate. I think one of the the best top to bottom stories we've gotten, and like you said, Corey in live action. I I loved the united nature of it. I thought that it made sense for all the characters. I loved how it included all kinds of parts of Star Wars lore. Just freaking fun, and I loved it. Um, the characters and performances, right? Vivian Lee Blair, as we said, one of one of the standouts. I, I hope that we, if she wants to, again, she is now like a 9 or 10-year-old. She can do what she wants. She can go to camp. Yeah. I don't care. But if she wants <laughs> to, to keep doing Princess Leia, I, I would love that. I think that would be so great to watch her grow and keep getting Leia stories. Like how... What a miracle that they found her, and that we can keep doing that. That'd be great. But I want to expand that a bit more um, in, a, in a general sense, guys. How did you guys like just the acting and even the writing? We talked about, you know, we've talked about the dialogue in some of the shows. It's been a little clunky at times and really hasn't quite gotten us there. But I got to say, I think pretty top to bottom on this show, I believed every one of these characters was in Star Wars. I believed the dialogue sounded like it was in a Star Wars project as opposed to just being plot devices. It really felt like it was the most organic um, type of Star Wars project. Led, even though, again, I love Vivian, I really love Moses Ingram. Um, I mean, Ewan McGregor, I think, doing his best Obi-Wan work he's ever done. Give that man an Oscar. Yeah, Or an Emmy, but yes. Or an (laughs) Emmy. Is that what that is? Yeah, that. Yeah. I legitimately and think he should be Emmy nominated. I Give yeah, him a yeah, shiny I, award. I, I literally, I don't think that is like a contrarian take. Like, I think that, I think that's like a legitimate. I mean, the sh- the the scene where he faces Vader, the last time he faced Vader, we yeah. faced Anakin, right? His facial acting in that scene is arguably the best acting in Star Wars. Period. Like, I'm sorry, Anakin, for all of it. Is yep. the, that that hurts me more? Yes. Close up of his face. They, I mean, oh, show me, show me, wait. show me a better scene. Is is there? Can you name a better acted scene in all of Star Wars? Like, I don't think that there is. Like, it was literally no. utterly no. phenomenal. I, I'm kind of with you. Like, I mean, you know, nostalgia aside, like you and McGregor is like. Like this guy needs to be in a bunch more movies, like now, because he's like, peak. Yeah. like this yeah. is this is better than I've ever seen him. Like, you know, and he's he doesn't have it's, a he has a long list of stuff he's done in his career, and and it looks like he just knows this character so well. Yes. Like he is yes. Obi Wan, yeah. like literally, like Ewan McGregor is Obi Wan Kenobi. So it's it's like, nuts. Speaking of Ewan playing Obi, I mean. It sounded like he was. I mean, what is this? It, he's, this is ten years from Episode Three. Exactly, I get not exactly close to it. Anyways, he is working. Leia is ten, and she was yeah, yeah, ten years. He is is, he's working his voice to be that older Obi Wan, and you can kind of tell the way he speaks um, to well to to Owen. Side side note to that, I think Joel Edgerton did a fantastic job. I believed every word that Joel Edgerton put into to Owen Lars, making him him like. 
it, like oh. yeah, <laughs> making him like feel that disdain towards Obi Wan and just like being very protective of Luke. And I was like, yeah, I like, think he is he's daddy and he wants to protect Luke at all yeah, costs. Uh, I saw that face, <laughs> but you know he's 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 a he's a he's a daddy bear. Yeah, all, all bears out there, but yeah, he's. He was uh, he was very very believable and I appreciated yeah. that. Can you imagine having to act like you hate Ewan McGregor? I mean, what a performance! <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that takes a lot. Charles, out of a could person. you do it? Uh, <laughs> not me, not me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, and you know, I, I think that that you know, it, you can. I've always said, an average actor can make a great script good, but a great actor cannot make an average script great. Like you, you can't. You can only do so much you can with the words, and I think that everything that's on the page was so in, was so good and, and i think that that is like you said charles a mixture of the writing team with ewan mcgregor with deborah chow who said she was in the writer's room continuously like there were people that were continuously crafting this singular narrative into each episode and i think that's why it made sense when we were on Alderon, it sounded like they were talking about Alderon. when we were on tatooine it sounded like people that lived on tatooine when we were with the inquisitors it sounded like these people were working on this and like the scenes especially um like for instance the scene with moses ingram and ewan mcgregor uh when they're laying siege to the base and he tells her like hey i know who you are you want to go after anakin that scene could have been cheesy it could have been melodramatic it could have contradicted a lot of lore but it was so simplistic in i'm making a discovery and i'm saying this to you bringing up this trauma and both of them just played it so well so delicately that the scene i I hung on every single word even though i know there was a siege and battle about to happen and i we haven't seen that really yeah um except maybe like i i guess like luke and kylo uh before the battle of crate when like when the when the vision comes in is kind of the closest that i've seen to that level of like burgeoning conflict and i think star wars sometimes can forego and and all action um all action movies all adventure films can forego that level of dialogue for action and for things like that. But this show really took time to have those conversations. Like in that scene you talked about, Corey, with, with Obi-Wan and Vader. Like, we yeah. got all those scenes. It was yeah. really incredible. Um, which is, of course, not to take away from the action. So let's let's talk about that real quick before we go into specific characters. Y'all, these action sequences were incredible. <laughs> like, yes. all these fights. Yes. It's only six yeah. episodes, but maybe for three, or, three or four or five of the best fights we've ever gotten. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because there's always those those shows that you've seen where it's very clear they like save their budget for like that fight at the end. You know yep. what I mean? And, and and you can feel that this show yeah. did. Whenever not whenever do characters that. are on a campfire talking about their past, it's like, oh, cool, you're about to really spend a lot of money on the fight, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> not that those scenes aren't great and fun, no, but no. but this this show did not shy away from action. And, and what I really loved about the action, if I had to choose one thing, it wasn't just like, oh, this one move or like I, I really like this one fight in particular. It was seeing the evolution of characters, particularly Obi-Wan, through those fights. Because Obi-Wan was just honestly weak and overpowered and out of practice in the beginning. But you watched him grow in his confidence and in you, you saw his fighting style mirror his connection with the Force. And I think that was so yeah. subtly done and beautifully done 
that, yes, the action sequences are cool. Yeah, that flourish was awesome. Yeah, he did the saber over his head, two-finger thing. Like, all of that on a surface level is amazing, but it was also yeah. deeper than that. It was the, it was the you know, callbacks to certain moves from the prequels and from the Vader-Luke fight in, in Return of the Jedi. I mean, it worked on so many levels. The people that choreographed this did their homework. It was so well done. Yeah, the, I think you're so right. The action really kind of takes that idea of, I mean, do they even watch the other content? Do they even do Yeah. Yeah, man. Like to the, to <laughs> Sounds the, just like them. I Thank you. I, I practice that a lot <laughs> when I'm going to hate myself. Uh, but they really do. <laughs> they did such a great job uh, of aesthetically mirroring everything from Star Wars animation to live action, two things we've only read about in books. And, and I thought that the choices of when to make them longer – when to when to have the characters flee because they know they're outmatched like all those little little moments i thought were really important and le- and it allowed the final grander fights to have such impact like when like that final obi-wan vader fight is incredible and it works because we had the shorter one at the beginning we had ben not really being able to hold his own at the top like it, it was a gradual evolution of combat in a way that i hadn't really seen a lot before um now and, and and Corey, I want to ask you as well about um, some of the the non non lightsaber fights, like some of the blaster fights. I mean, we had like a Helm's Deep level siege um, on Jabim, uh, and we also had like the attack on Fortress Inquisitorius. That if you listen to Bounty Hunt, didn't feature some of our favorite CGI. But like, what do you <laughs> think about those things that were kind of more like the war, if you will, that kind of filtered into the show? I mean, Star Wars has a uh, doesn't have a, a great a great like uh, history, I guess you could say, with making like small scale combat feel like large scale combat. Like, but I feel like oh, it sure. it worked here. Like, it felt like the stakes the stakes were always high. It felt like they were always way outnumbered. Like, you know, even uh, like when they were escaping from Fortress Inquisitorius, like in the in the hangar, there were just tons and tons of people here. It was just it felt like the scale worked like in the show, like better than it, it it has before. And I don't really know why that is. I mean, something about like a bunch of stormtroopers being outside of a door seems to just keep showing up <laughs> in, in these live action <laughs> yeah. shows. I mean, it's in Mandalorian a bunch of times. It was in Boba Fett. Like we keep getting these weird things where everybody's like standing. Sp- Nobody takes cover. Everyone just like stands out in the open. Yeah. It's just no. like yep. it's. So, it's so goofy. I don't really get it. Uh, it's, it cracks me up. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think the scale worked, and it, it felt like it felt like the galaxy was up against Obi Wan, and I think that was what you were supposed to feel as the viewer. Yeah, I appreciated yeah. that they brought back the um, the like the starship battle. I think it was the last episode, right? Of the of one of the big one of the big battle cruisers that was firing on the um, the rebel ship. Yep. At the very end, he was like, you know what? Because I think the Opening sequence was like a callback to all those to all the movies that open up like that, mm-hmm. basically four, five, and six. So that was really cool that they added that in, especially at the very end. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that on uh, on the TV show level, we've done a great job of showing like you know the one on one battles, the the smaller things like you're saying, Corey, with the you know Mando versus X and, and Boba Fett versus X. That's been great, but I think Obi Wan this finally felt because of the camera work and things like that really felt like the full time we got this is the burgeoning rebellion against the empire which is weird to get that in the obi-wan show not where i thought that would have come uh but get that mixed with some of the best saber work we've seen this side of the ot absolutely loved it um 
But of course, let's talk about now what this did for the characters. Because a lot of these characters we knew, like you said beforehand. And I love what you mentioned, Charles, that the lack of death does not mean lack of stakes. And I think we have gotten so attuned to that sometimes in all fiction, especially fantasy, sci-fi, where because death can happen, that seems to be the only thing that means a story was worthwhile as someone died. And it's like, like there, there's so many stories, like especially when you're a kid, when you're reading, think about how many things you love that didn't involve death. Think of, I don't know, a freaking comedy. Like anything that you love doesn't mean there's, there has to be death. And a lot of these characters, all the ones that I've kind of put in the outline here, did survive, but still had drastic character choices. So I'll start with the most obvious one. What do you think about where Obi-Wan started versus where he ended this series? Because he probably had the most drastic change. Yeah, I mean, it, it was drastic. It was in line with, uh, I think, what we had seen represented before in a lot of ways. I mean, of course, I'm going to go back to the, to the Kenobi novel uh, by John mm-hmm. Jackson Miller. And um, he presented sort of a similar-ish story, though... It was earlier in the timeline, if I remember correctly, um, where, you know, Obi-Wan couldn't be that Jedi that he was at the top of his game. He had to be in hiding, and and with that is going to come the consequences where you get rusty, right? But, again, I I just want to reiterate how beautifully done I think we saw the actual progression of him coming back in tune with the Force, kind of finding his footing, and at the end, seeing, I mean, basically... General Kenobi, you know, riding off yes. on his EOP. Yeah. And that was that, like, that moment, I think, seeing his full progression back to that character. Obviously, I'm incredibly biased because that that episode three Obi-Wan, like, that is just peak. That is my favorite character. So seeing that again filled me with a lot of joy. But it was that classic hero moment from, like, old westerns or, you know, serials, yeah. whatever you want to say, where, like, you see that hero kind of find their footing again and ride off into the sunset. So that progression just was so, so, so well done. Mm. I thought that was interesting how, because you think that a Jedi would keep his powers like for a lifetime. And then if you don't practice those skills, then they, like you said, Charles, they get rusty. So I'm, I'm glad they showed that, that there is, if you don't keep your skills in tune, then they will diminish and you will be vulnerable to whether it be a Sith, whether it be a, you know, like a um, a Marauder that comes in. Yeah. I mean, he might have had a, a tough time with with like the Marauders from uh, the Kenobi Legends novel. So <laughs> you never know. Um, but I liked how they, they added that in there. That's interesting, especially with Kenobi. They had him some vulnerability in there because um, if he actually started to train Luke, like how how well would he would he do? Um, he would probably learn on the way. He's like, oh yeah, that's how we used to do this part. (laughs) Like, you know, good job, Luke. I mean, you started to, you know, you, you've moved the rock across the, across the table there. Yeah. Yeah, It it is interesting that everything we see about Jedi every day, the younglings are training or they're on missions or like every, they don't take days off really. Yeah. And then imagine taking 10 years off if they're not taking a day off, which is what I assume residency feels like. Um, it feels like you just forget a lot. (laughs) Corey, is that accurate? 
Yes. <laughs> uh, don't ask me, ask Charles. That's fair. What do you think, Corey? What do you think about our boy? Oh, sorry, Charles, you had a, you had a point. I mean, oh, no, on. I just want to say they even did an awesome job with the little character moments, the little things that you didn't maybe thought make sense about Obi-Wan in like the original trilogy, you know, calling, calling Vader Darth in that yeah. duel like didn't yes. make sense they explained that in this I, I mean like it was just even the small details just yeah. bravo sorry Corey, yeah yeah I, 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 I totally agree with that it didn't feel like fan service either right it was like it was like legitimately explaining small plot points which is really funny because it's it's not really retconning like what what is the term for this like enhancing ex- like like Enhan- expanding like, ex- expanding enhancing expanding I don't know. the universe I don't know it explain <laughs> it explains stuff but it's so funny though because like you know that movie is really old <laughs> and like George Lucas like he had no it was not even like a tiny brain cell worth of thought like that this yeah. would be the scale of Star Wars that we would have you know all these movies and multiple hours of TV shows now, he didn't know that of course he didn't know like, it, like so no. it is kind of a weird retcon in a way like maybe yeah. Darth was originally his first name like like maybe that was like oh, the which, which to us seems ridiculous right but like uh, you know I, I love that they filled in those those small details for sure I love that <laughs> yeah yeah and I also really enjoyed for like for Obi Wan specifically, we see from the first episode, he hasn't met Luke. He's just chilling, doing nothing. And then by the end of it, that the, the scene where he talks to Leia about, um, you know, these are the gifts from your mother, and this is from your mm. father. Like, he has not spoken in a positive light about Anakin probably since Mustafar. Like he has not yeah. been able to tell anyone about how much he loved his best friend of years. And I love that kind of like. Ability to let go and that ability to evolve, and that's where I yeah. see Obi Wan go. Not only is he back in tune with the Force, not only is he back in tune with his abilities as a, as a leader, he's back in tune with his memories of his friend. And he's like, "Yes, now I can acknowledge this is Vader. Anakin is gone, and I can mourn him and remember him." And I think that's still healing for him. Yeah. But of course, we do see quite a lot of Vader, and and I will say we, we've talked about this in Bounty Hunt. Um, this is. I know a lot of people say Rogue One. This is the scariest I ever found Vader in my entire yeah. life. And did this fundamentally change Vader in the OT for you guys? Uh, yes. Uh, yes. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, is, uh, this is, like, by far the most violent Star Wars has ever been. Like, this is the closest that I've ever said that, like, like they're pushing it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I don't know. I mean, we're like we're, like, right teetering at the line, I feel like, of being, like – like violent enough where people will complain about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like we're we're Next not quite snapping. there. Fire pulling. Yeah, man. I mean, but we're close. I mean, we're close. I mean, good God Almighty! Like Vader dragged him through freaking fire. Like that was violent and savage and gruesome. Yeah. And like, like uncomfortably so. You know what I mean? Like, and yeah. we've never seen that kind of violence in Star Wars before. And like, it worked coming from Vader. It didn't feel like senseless violence that was you know as i like to say hbo violence where they just throw <laughs> ridiculous stuff there just to because they're for that gross out factor because they can because it's hbo <laughs> they gotta get that season one renewal baby <laughs> it's ridiculous right it wasn't like that though but it felt like yeah. this is really who vader is like like anakin like he has to prove something you know what i mean like he has to prove that he's actually a bad guy and like like vader is you know he killed anakin you know what i mean so like yeah like, it, it was very scary and like 
it wasn't just Vader doing scary things though that made him scary. It's the way everybody right. else reacted to him, right? Like yes. it's like it's it's the it's the you know show a story, don't tell a story type of thing, right? It wasn't just Vader coming out to say how scary he is. It's all the people's reaction and everyone screaming and Obi Wan's reaction to him. Like it felt really yeah. scary. Like I felt like Vader was going to get him. Like it felt like I was he was yeah. going to get him like yeah. the whole time. And even though we know that's not what happens because we already know the ending. So. Yeah. You know, yeah. but it's still, it's prior still to that. Yeah. Walking through the town, just what you said, Corey, that's, they showed how utterly devastating Vader, what through what they've seen on the hollow net. Maybe we don't know, but mm-hmm. stories, right. something. And so they, uh, everybody was they terrified, cowered in fear. Yeah. 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 Vader? And, and Obi-Wan washing through like cracks in the window and stuff and his yeah. sheer emotion on his face, which made him yeah. seem like it's horror. It's it was horror. horror. Yeah, it yeah. is horror. And he is mm-hmm. the most boogeyman Vader that we ever saw yeah, in this series. And I think you said something, Corey, that that really made a lot of sense. It's not just his power, right? Like, he's scary for multiple reasons. We could tick off plenty of them, I'm sure. But for me, what came through in this series, other than how utterly powerful he was, is how sadistic he is at this point in the timeline, man. Yes. Like, he is not out there to kill Obi-Wan. He is out there to torture him and to destroy every aspect of his life to make him feel just a small bit of the pain that he feels he got at the hands of his former, former master. So, I mean, just, just chills even talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I I love, I love the way you mentioned two things. One, I love the way you mentioned other people's reactions to him because I, I once had a, a, a theater director who told me that your character on the, in, a, in a play, if you're doing a play, the only things you have are what your character says and what other characters say about your character. That's mm-hmm. all you get. And Vader, we don't get a lot of what he says about himself. He does not talk about his power, but in Star Wars, the legend of Vader, I mean, the myths and fables, if you will, of Vader are so intense, and other people's reactions are so intense, that I think more than any other character in fiction... We see how dangerous he is because of reactions, because of stories, because of people that knew him best being so afraid of him. And I think that's never more important than in this series. And additionally, I think for me, yes, Vader was the scariest he's ever been in this, in this show. Yes, I think Vader's been the most sadistic, like you said, Charles. For me, though, this has continued the train of the tragedy of Anakin Skywalker. We seem yeah. to be on this year. Yeah, um, yeah. Like, we just got done with our Brotherhood Roundtable, and my gosh, how what a beautiful depiction of Anakin in that book. Uh, go check out our last two episodes if you didn't, how much we loved Mike Chen's writing of him. Those little moments in this show where Anakin is begging to be released are, are, are some of the most heartbreaking parts of Star Wars. You know, the, the you know, I am not your failure, Obi-Wan, and the you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker, I did, is... Yeah. It, those few little bits, and of course, of course, I mean, the flashbacks with Hayden, um, were so. <laughs> Matt Lanter is the one who made me fall in love with Anakin. I'll be hundred percent honest with him. That that Clone Wars Anakin is my Anakin Skywalker. This um, this show really made Hayden so tragic to me, and I, and I think really allowed us to look into his eyes and, and see the Anakin that could have been. I mean, Obi-Wan literally sees him in a vision going onto that planet, right? Like, we yep. see him in, in the Jedi robe. It's like, oh, my gosh. 
this could have been. It's all the fan arts that they've had of years of Anakin and Padme being a mother and father to toddlers and, and, and raising this family. And this show, I think, not only do we see it, but we see it at the exact same moment that Obi-Wan does. And Ewan McGregor's performance is vulnerable enough and heartbreaking enough to allow us to ac access that as an audience. And it was, it's so heartbreaking and devastating. But then, of course, on the other end, we get the most, I would say, the most hopeful part of the show, the most adorable part of the show, uh, Little Leia. We've talked about her performance already. We loved her performance. What does, does this <coughs> version of Leia Organa do to you as far as the OT goes, even as far as sequel trilogy? Like, her, the rest of her life now, we know how it pans out. What did this version of, the, of Leia do to her character for you going forward? Oh, man. I think the addition of Leia's family uh, being in this, like, with being in Organa's and that whole thing, like, mm -hmm. it Wait, made who's, it... who's your family, Corey? Who's, who's, who's in her family? Uh, nobody important. Uh, it really made it... Uh... <laughs> How dare you talk about Bria in that way? <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, like, I think the addition of the family, like, it made, it made it clear that Leia has been raised to be a leader, like, literally from childhood. Like, it just solidifies, like the fiercely independent Leia we see in episode four, it just really solidifies that character for me. I mean, I think that was kind of what it was. What, it was what the prequels were kind of supposed to do for like some of the characters. But I think there was just a little bit of a disconnect in a lot of ways and something about seeing, I don't know, something about seeing Leia interact with her father and her mother and the way that they treated her and talked to her about the stuff that she was dealing with made it seem like, made it seem like, like she was, bred to be a leader she was she's born to be a leader yeah. right like she was yeah. around it her whole childhood yeah like we knew she was a leader when she was 16 because of certain things she's like 19 <clears throat> in the movie or whatever but she was a leader when she was 10 like this this yeah. is like the the proof of it the i need a ladder um you need to do this like i i agree and again not just because i'm the biggest bail organa fan in the world which i am not gonna deny it i do think that the 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 time we got on alderaan seeing how Leia was raised with even the end of the show, Bria, like, I love the holster. How fun. And Bale being like, let's change it together. Like you see having parents like that. Oh my yeah. God. It all makes sense. It all makes sense. Why she's the leader that she is. And also the way she's able to handle herself away from home for the first time with someone like Ben Kenobi in a place where she's being interrogated by inquisitors. Like it, it all just tracks so well. And I, and I, I never thought we'd get, a story of her this young, but now I'm like, I can't believe we didn't get it before this. Yeah. Like Brea, um, <clears throat> had just those, um, so small instances where she goes and she's going to get her. Cause she's always getting, she's getting dressed and she like kind of drags her out. Says we're going here. We're going there. And she has that confidence that I was, when I first watched, it, I was like, where did she get this confidence? But you can tell from the Organas, like the ways they raised her and the way they're teaching her to be a leader, but also that she is a Skywalker. And that kind of was a catalyst yes. for her to be even, even more confident, even more like, even more head of the table kind of uh, aspect to her, to her personality. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. it, I don't think it was just for, from the upbringing that she had, but like a, she has force powers, guys. Come yeah. on, nature, nature and nurture. I think. That, like, yeah, absolutely. That's it. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, interestingly enough, this this 
show made me miss Carrie Fisher and made me just understand how yeah. the Carrie Fisher and Princess Leia just merged into one thing in my head um, at a certain point. And yeah. yeah, the character was written in a certain way. Obviously, you know, it was not, it was never going to be a damsel in distress character. That's not who Princess Leia was supposed to be. But Carrie Fisher put so much of herself into that role and seeing it in the, it just play out in a younger version of Leia still felt so true to everything that Carrie Fisher did for the fandom and did for Star Wars and, and just kind of put into that character. She really poured herself into that character. Yeah. And it was amazing to see a young actress, especially someone that young, do <clears throat> justice to Carrie Fisher, but also make it her own. Uh, I mean, yes. I was I was really, really, really impressed. Yeah, yeah. And again, that's why I think that if she wants to, if her parents are cool with it, uh, love to see her do that more often. Love to see her bring Leia back. Uh, again, speaking of characters that I, I really hope we get back now that they did survive, um, Reva, one of the characters that we knew nothing about, obviously, before the show, had an intense character evolution from sadistic Inquisitor Hunter to... Actually, I'm going to try to protect Darth Vader to maybe I'm going to kill Luke Skywalker to <laughs> now my future is my own. Um, all immaculately played by Moses Ingram. Uh, also, real quick, we did talk about some bounty hunt. To put, to not spend even a little bit of time on this, uh, anyone that bullied Moses Ingram for being a black woman in Star Wars, you're, you're the worst kind of person. Go away. We hate you. All right. Anyway, <laughs> um, for this character... Um, Unlike any character we've gotten before, unlike any performance we've actually gotten before, like, again, we said with kind of intimate scenes with Ewan, uh, what do you guys think about Reva top to bottom? And, Corey, uh, as we were going through Bounty Hunt, you were like, I want to get more of this. And then there was a very specific point when we finally got Reva's backstory that clicked you in. And what was that like to, like, really follow that through at the end of the show? Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, we all predicted early on that she was going to be one of the Padawans, like, in the opening scene, and then we were rewarded with that information later on. That was fantastic. Um, I love the... Like the contra- the the contrasting between like it was showing multiple flashbacks when it was showing her flashback. You guys remember that in that episode? Like it yes. was showing multiple flashbacks all together, <laughs> and the yeah. like her looking in Anakin's eyes. Like that was seeing Anakin from her angle of him being yeah. like a big scary monster. Yeah, exactly. Ooh. It was good. It was good. I mean, I think uh, I think her story like it 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 concluded in a really good way. It's it's nice to see a character be redeemed that isn't killed off immediately. Like that was all that's yeah. all that on I think I don't know if it was <laughs> you guys that said that or if I saw it on Twitter, but like nobody ever gets redeemed that doesn't just immediately die. That doesn't ever happen, yeah. right? Like they never happen. They don't get to atone for which mm. is why like the Alphabet Squad yeah. series, no specific spoilers, but there are some characters that actually get to freaking atone for what they did. What a what a concept! Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think the whole Riva storyline. The Inquisitors are just such an interesting group of characters to explore, and I'm glad that we took more time to do that in this series. Because we always think of Order sixty six as like this thing that happened, and every single Jedi was wiped out. And while there is power in that, and it's a it's an incredible moment, an overwhelming moment in the series. Those ones that slipped through the cracks and how they handled that is such rich storytelling. So to see that Reva story explored, especially after you mentioned, Corey, with her surviving, after we saw kind of a similar storyline end in a death, and I won't say where that was or or anything like that in case there's anyone out there that hasn't experienced that story yet. 
Um, it was just, it's such fertile ground to, to mine for great stories. And they are not, they did not let her survive to never use her again. So yeah. there's going to be more in one format or another. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I do love, I mean, there's some stuff that came out the week after of uh, the show writer who was originally going to write the movies for Obi-Wan is going to make it a trilogy that came up with a Reva character that said, oh, yeah, she was going to die. And there were so many people that were like, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad this changed for all those reasons we've talked about. And, and, and I do love the idea that, you know, a character has such, like you said, Charles, fertile ground now to to just do whatever because we've seen characters like yeah obi-wan he lost everything he kind of had to start over but he still had a mission like most characters in star wars even when you start over still have something to go on reva is literally a blank slate she could just farm on tatooine fine whatever or like justin said in the chat she could join the path uh which again now got expanded and introduced in the obi-wan show like we get this expansion of lore like cool do we get that story what is that going to be like and I think Reva really just represents this possibility of storytelling um, going in the future of Star Wars. And I think the best projects, while they tell their own stories, do offer those little offshoots. And I think that's really cool. I think she represented that beautifully. And I, I really hope that I'd love it in a book. I'd love it in a comic. I would really do hope they bring Moses back just to do it in live action. But again, that's kind of the beauty of Star Wars. That's why we have this whole website show because mm -hmm. they can do it in any kind of way um but other than those guys uh i want to give you guys a chance before we we talk about deborah chow and then some of our favorite moments uh were there any other character journeys that really spoke to you i know like there were so many new ones that came in uh i mean ned b our, our hammer wheeled and droid boy um and of course another bunch of other ones were there any other characters that really sat with you other than those main ones we just chatted about Humail Nanjiani. Hajastri, let's go. <laughs> he did very well. He, yeah. he started. He started out as a swindler, as a fake Jedi trying to get people to off-world. He was doing the right thing, but he was also taking money to do that. Yeah. But he was pretty much. He was pretty much uh, shoved off of that planet. What was the planet? The first planet? I keep forgetting. Dayu. Um, Dayu. Yes, because he ran. He got a confrontation with Reva, and so point. after he had that confrontation with Reva, the Empire was hunting him. So he yeah. had to, coincidentally, join the path. So he he had a, a bit of a redemption story, but he was a very good comic relief, and I appreciate comic relief in anything. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> he got Leia Alderaan. I mean, I, and I yeah. love yeah. like at the moment he made jokes, he made jokes, but his like, I give you my word at the end. I'm like. Yes, like all jokes aside, I will protect Leia. <laughs> and he also got almost got Luke killed, so there's yes, <laughs> there's there's balances yeah, to that. You know, <laughs> yep. Great call. What about uh Charles Corey? Who else do you guys love? Um mm. I liked all a lot of the people with the path. Um Ice Cube's son, which is his in universe name also. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Rogan, thank you. Um, and gosh, I'm blank. Name Ice Cube son. This is full legal name. <laughs> uh, this is legal name. Um, and I'm I'm I feel bad. I'm blanking on her name. What, who's the other Tala. Tala? Thank you. Gosh, Tala, Tala. was fantastic. Tala, yeah. Uh, yeah, the path the path people in general for me were really interesting because it was kind of even though they ended up literally fighting the Empire, it was cool to just explore the idea of. 
people who are anti-empire, but they're not necessarily fighting in the rebellion. They're fighting in a different way. These folks were just trying to protect Jedi, get them to safety, these sorts of things. I enjoyed exploring that angle, and I'd like to see more of that. Yeah, totally. Uh, There were a bunch of characters that stood out to me. Um, I really loved the Master Chief droid. (laughs) Ned B. Yeah, that didn't speak. Ned Ned B. 100% looked like the Master Chief from behind when it showed him. Like, I don't know why. It just looked exactly like him. Something about the shape of his body. It was so funny. Uh, He was fantastic. Um, I want to especially shout out all of the Inquisitors because I think that was a risky decision to go with a bunch of live yep. action characters that had previously yep. been an animation. And you know, we were all a little nervous about that. Like before the show came out with the way yep. that the grand inquisitor stuff looked in the trailer, like as soon as it showed him in that opening episode, I was immediately over any hesitations I have. His acting was phenomenal. His dialogue was spot on. Yep. Like, like it was an excellent character and, you know, kind of lesser, lesser so, but still incredible characters. The other two inquisitors, the, the hat one and the alien one. (laughs) (laughs) No idea what their names are. Who was played by uh, Han from the Fast and Furious movies. Mm -hmm. Very importantly. Like I said, the hat brother and the, uh, the pigtail brother that the the hat in the, the, yeah, the pigtail sister, pigtail sister and hat brother. Those two guys were very, very good. I, something about the voice. We never talked about this on bounty hunt, but something about the, the voice of the hat guy was really cool. Like it had this weird yeah. sort of bassy undertone to it. Like that was really interesting. I loved that. You know what, Corey? Yeah, I appreciate he was non-human. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. If yes. you had been working at Kenner, that's exactly what. Because you know what, like Yak Face, yeah. like Hat <laughs> Brother. That's what he would have been named. <laughs> hat Brother. One hundred percent. His name is Hat Brother. We are forgetting Corey, of course. The most important character introduced. He has, he has a pool hat. A Sorry. Bo- was a young boy. <laughs> was a young boy. Saved by the path. He was. Who in credits is named Corin, uh, uh, yeah. and is exactly mm-hmm. of the age where maybe I know. it's one hundred percent going to be Corin Horn. It's yeah, going to be Corin Horn, and I only hope they make him a more likable character in the in the film. I I, I hope, hope to God that's all we hope. And like, this is the only chance that, that Corin Horn has hope, to truly. be redeemed. Because I've been <laughs> listening to uh, I've been listening to the new X Wing books as they've made them, you know, audio dramas, and still don't like Corin Horn, guys. Got to say, <laughs> so but maybe you know he'll be redeemed. Well, yeah, let, what a crazy idea. What if we give um, it to a, a female director and writing team that actually write him not as a completely misogynistic mm. uh, uh, loser, then maybe it'll be great. Yeah, yeah. Um, there you go. Step one. Speaking <laughs> of women in power, of course, we're talking about all these great people that are involved. Uh, Deborah Chow, director, Unified Vision, showrunner, uh, loved her from The Mandalorian. Got to ask you guys, how important was it to have this unified vision from Deborah Chow running this show. Because, I mean, her fingerprints are on every part of each episode. And I want to ask, secondarily, what ways do you think she expanded just from her Mandalorian experience to get into this show, which I think we all agree was even more successful? I got to say, I think of the two options that we've been presented so far of – one director slash producer doing the whole thing versus, you know, Filoni and Favreau being producers and, like, different directors doing the whole thing. I think I like the first option better. Um, But I'm also incredibly biased here because Deborah Chow gave us a 10 out of 10 experience. (laughs) Right. So, like, (laughs) would I be saying the same thing if... 
for example, Robert Rodriguez, who did Book of Boba Fett, had done every single episode. Would I still feel that way because I'm not as big right, of a sure. fan of his style? So I don't, I don't really, I don't really know. I think that Deborah Chow was an excellent choice. I would love to see what pretty much any of the other directors that we've seen from Mandalorian, what their version of an entire TV show season would be like. Right. I would, I would be into that. I think that's interesting. I, I think that, I think that there are certainly been. Like it is a little bit jarring, I will say. It's a, it's a little bit jarring going from episode to episode of like Mandalorian because there is a very clear difference in theme and shots and everything between episodes, yeah. and it doesn't feel very cohesive, like just from a cinematic standpoint. So yeah, you know, yeah, I like that. Even even the literal composition <clears throat> of the show. Even if it's right, the yeah. same story, like it looks different. You're totally the right. color. The coloring is yeah. different, right? The, <laughs> yeah. the the amount of shaky cam is different, right? So like, yeah. And whether or not that is a good thing or a bad thing, I don't know. I think it certainly allows for more interesting storytelling, maybe to occur when you have so many different folks involved. But like, mm-hmm. this is the first thing they've given one one director so many episodes, and I mean, she utterly killed it. <laughs> utterly yes. killed it. Like like yeah. her style was perfect for this show. Yeah. Utterly perfect. Yeah. So remind me again the episode she did for the Mandalorian. Um, I have an idea. Did, I believe the oh my gosh the the was it the one where was the name of the first season episode the one where she all the Mandalorians the fly out in the jetpacks. She did that yes. one. Oh, okay, yes. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And the one where he like show. opens the door and he like shoots the guy in the side of the head <laughs> and then kicks the guy out the door. That was her episode. Yeah. <laughs> The action intense ones. Um, yes, so yeah. she does very well in that aspect. She, she's good, and at yet, that. like, I like, I do prefer the single director. It gives some, it gives some solidarity to what we're doing. But if you have multiple directors, then you have multiple views, uh, yep. different points of view, and yeah. you also have <laughs> multiple outs yeah. on yeah. like different way these stories can go right. so i kind of I, I like them both you know i prefer 51 percent a single director 49 percent other go. directors yeah, yeah it depends <laughs> depending on, on what night how much alcohol you can persuade me of either, either way. <laughs> i think uh i would love to see um bryce dallas howard do a whole season of a show i think that's yep. my next pick of all the folks I that agree. have done episodes i think she's the other obvious choice her work is phenomenal as well so yep you know yeah yeah, and and again, I think the fact that you know they talk so much about how much Deborah Chow was involved in the story from the beginning, she clearly had an idea of what she wanted to do. And I think Star yeah. Wars is getting better at that, is realizing mm-hmm. okay, instead of just saying, "Hey, you're doing this project," it's like, "Cool, what kind of thing? We like you, we trust you. What do you think you want to do?" It feels kind of like books in that way, you know, like like they're in from a certain point of view. You've done the short story; we know you can work with us. Yeah. Now. What would you like to do? What kind of story yeah. would you want to work? And that's how you're going to get the best results. And and I, I think, think so too. That really it, al- it also seems like uh, it also seems like from what we've learned about this particular show, it seems like the storytellers, the directors, and producers are giving be given a little more freedom to like. This is my idea. Can I do this? And they're like, yes. Yeah. Here's a TV show, which I think is yeah. really interesting. It's not forcing. Mm. You know, forcing a, a, a circle into a, a square hole. You know what I mean? Like it, yes, it, it allows right. the the creators to really stretch the creative muscles. And you know what little I know about Deborah Chow and the few times I've heard her speak, it seems like like she really understands the Star Wars universe really well. It really it really understood the Kenobi, Anakin. Like I mean, she had obviously studied every moment of any sort of Anakin Kenobi stuff we had because those moments in the show were by far the strongest and felt like it was 
was straight out of the prequels. The dual episode is probably the single best piece of Star Wars that's ever been produced, like ever, including all the films. Like, and yep. it felt like we were in the prequels, even though it was an <laughs> older Hayden. It felt exactly like like that. Yeah. Yep. And now, Chris, speaking of that moment, let's 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 wrap up tonight's show now with just which is a celebration of some of our favorite moments of the show. I think that, I mean. My God, seeing Ewan and Hayden dueling as Obi-Wan and Anakin 20 years after Attack of the Clones was absolutely one of them. Um, I will just start out the talk with that, but also anything with our Lord and Savior, Bail Organa, and Leia specifically. I think that their, um, their discussion together has been so great. Uh, seeing Bail as parent was great, and also seeing Bail and Obi-Wan as actual friends. We hear about it a lot. We've seen it in Legends. A uh, shout-out to Clone Wars Wild Space. If you want to read that book, that's a Bale and Obi-Wan book. We are a book podcast, of course. Um, but I legitimately <laughs> think, even as a fan of the character, uh, uh, Bale's role in this show was perfectly timed. You know, I love him. I didn't want any more of him. I think he was expertly used. And I think showing him as father and confidant and friend and senator was really some of my highlights. Uh, but you guys, open floor. Just and cool, your, dad. and cool dad. And cool dad. He's, he is the <laughs> Leia. If you're gonna do it, I'd rather you do it in the house. You know, like he, he is. He is absolutely cool, dad. Um, what was our some of your favorite moments of the show? Just, just straight up. So uh, Brandon had said that more than anything else, he this show had helped him uh, bridge the gap with Vader and Anakin as a whole. And that definitely did it for me. So I said this on Bounty Hunt, and I will say it again. I had to hear Hayden's voice in Vader's suit. I thought I would. My view was they were gonna. He was gonna say he was gonna speak without the vocoder. He was gonna have without his mask on. But this like exceeded my expectations to the fullest it could possibly be. With a strike from Obi Wan's lightsaber, and to have him wheezing and go back and forth as Vader's voice and as Hayden's voice, it was so amazing. I yeah. loved it. God. I loved every bit of it. I mean, and the the fact that he was so notably Vader in this instance, but hearing Hayden's voice was perfect. I loved it. I, that was my hundred percent my favorite moment of this show. Yeah, I know we keep talking about it. If you haven't listened ever. to our bounty hunter, watch our bounty hunter show yet. You don't have to. I highly recommend our chat in episode five, just because the first five minutes of the episode are us being like, cool, best episode ever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And we just like freak <laughs> out because of moments like that. Uh, completely yeah. agree. That was, that was, yeah. Wes, you're like spot and on. The wheezing, the, yeah. <gasps> the wheezing and the, vo- yeah, the vocoder thing of that was utterly, beautiful filmmaking truly truly yes, truly yes. beautiful filmmaking to see filmmaking. a young version of a really old character like that was utterly incredible yep. one of the coolest star vader wars. moments in 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 seriously in in star wars history was was mm-hmm. that moment without a doubt yeah yeah for for me i'm i'm going to cheat here i'm not going to say a very specific moment cuz it's several but it's how this show changes how you watch a new hope because the end of Revenge of the Sith is such, it's just such a tragic, tragedy. And I think we all have thought about the emotional fallout from that. But we don't necessarily see a ton of emotional payoff in A New Hope for obvious reasons. It was made you know, 30 years before, whatever. But 
it has changed how you watch A New Hope. If you haven't gone back and at least watched specific scenes, do so now. Because I would challenge you to, to see that little smirk that Obi-Wan <laughs> gives towards Luke and Leia before he's struck down or disappears, however you want to view that moment. I, I challenge you to look at that the same way after seeing Obi-Wan buried in the rubble and having to think about the hope for the future, about Luke and Leia and what they represent for the future before busting out of there. I mean, it entirely changes these, these moments in this film that you think you know. And yeah. it, you can re-experience it now this many years later. That's incredibly done. So it's those moments that change little things about A New Hope for me that were the most powerful. Probably him being buried and, and needing to use that hope to get out. That's probably the, the biggest moment for me. Yeah. It's so, I, th- I think... Uh, it, it's such a good representation of the, of the show. It brings you Obi-Wan, it brings you Leia, Vader's there, Force, yeah. Yeah, changing new hope. You know, I think to sort of echo that a little bit, Charles. I think that this this also sort of reshapes the way I look at the last the, the last fight in Revenge of the Sith as well, because like like that scene is so beautiful, but some of the dialogue is just not quite there. And even in that in that last scene, and it still has some like some flaws, like with the writing. I think a little bit in that last scene, but it, like only in the a book, Sith deals in absolutes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And in the book, kind of changes that for you, right? Like the yeah. range of the novelization changes that for you, and the emotion that's felt on those pages, like totally fills in anything that was missing from that scene. But I think this captured the agony. I think between. Obi-Wan and Anakin maybe better than anything ever has before. Even even Revenge of the Sith, which that scene was partially directed by Spielberg, by the way, if you didn't know that. He was involved yeah. in the creation of that. That's amazing. Um, that's, why the, that's why the cinematography is so damn good. But, um, mm. yeah, yeah I mean director, that... director, hot take, Steven Spielberg. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Knows what he's doing. We're talking about Revenge of the Sith, not Obi-Wan's show, by the way. But anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, yeah, I totally captured that. I think the... The two absolute standout moments for me of the entire show um, was the the final duel between Vader and Obi-Wan was phenomenal. I mean, those emotional moments at the very end, right before they parted ways, was utterly beautiful. Like, I was teary-eyed that entire scene. And the duel, the in the way that the duel was was contrasted, like the, the, the prequels between Anakin and Obi-Wan, in the way that they used that as a sort of, like, like, big picture storytelling like thing was just so that was so creative that's like one of the most creative things i've ever seen in 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 star wars was just so cool like the and like all of the all the remixes that are out on youtube now of like how they've spliced it all together and they totally nailed all of the combat and like it's straight out of the prequels all of the combat is and i was just totally blown away with with how hard they leaned on what we already know about Anakin and Obi-Wan in, in those small scenes. I mean, it was not very much. It's like a total of like three minutes, like maybe like, yeah, but, but still (laughs) it's, it's just, it felt like they did their homework like better than we've ever seen. And I loved it. I loved it. And, and I get the small, the small uh, sort of uh, honorable mention that I'll give is we, we actually got real physical clone armor, 
like was produced yeah. for the show. Like for the yeah. for the Order sixty six. You guys have heard me say that before. That like famously none of the, none of the prequels there was never real clone armor. It was all CGI. Every single time you see a clone trooper on on screen, it's all CGI. But that wasn't the case. And the Obi Wan show, they actually finally built some some five hundred first armor. And it was probably five hundred first guys that did it. But still, that was uh, that was really cool. The behind the scenes shots of Anakin like smiling and hugging all the guys <laughs> was really funny. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Very trippy. Yeah. yeah. Really <laughs> trippy. Um, but yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Loved all those. I uh, love what Brandon said in the chat. One of my favorite facts that, that's been going around since it happened. When we had mm-hmm. that moment Wes talked about where during the duel, the mask cracks where Obi-Wan hits one half of it. It's the opposite half as Ahsoka hits and Rebels and means Luke is the only one that can ever take Vader's mask off fully. It's It's that kind of poetry i think in the series that's so great and then of course a final honorable mention to qui-gon at the end it, it, liam neeson himself going on set for a day showing up a quick shout out to the Ma- master and apprentice short story not the full novel which is obviously a masterpiece as we say in utini um, but the short story in the first from a certain point of view by claudia gray it talks all about qui-gon coming as a as a force ghost and all that great stuff highly recommend that um, I love that we end with that kind of momentum shift of now it's Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon and who knows, who knows what happens. And I think it's such a great way to end it, um, which I also think is a great way to end our show tonight. Um, so, yeah, we love this show. We loved Obi-Wan so much. Again, if you loved this conversation, go check out all our Bounty Hunt episodes all about it. We will be back with Bounty Hunt when Andor comes out going episode by episode if you like that kind of thing for tonight uh we love obi-wan we love star wars uh and a bunch of us are about to go console our dogs because a bunch of fireworks are about to scare them very much uh, so <laughs> fellas on this july 4th any final thoughts about the full limited series for now of uh obi-wan kenobi it was good it was real good <laughs> <laughs> you still like you still like the character Charles? He's still your favorite. He's okay. All right, great. It's, it's, close, it's easily going to uh, be able to go ahead. It's easily you can watch this um, like as a as a, like a movie marathon, but have it on. Um, like I usually I like I have nothing to do tonight. No, I do have something to do. I'm going to watch a Star Wars movie, but put it on <laughs> and you ha- you watch Obi Wan series for it's, I think it was less than four and a half hours. I think. Yeah, something like that. That's a long time to watch TV, but, you know, hey, if you have nothing to do. It's a long movie. <laughs> I've heard that. If you're cleaning yeah. or doing the dishes. For four hours. Yeah. You have yeah. time. I've heard like that. Two uh, episodes of Stranger Things. I've heard you know? a, yeah, seriously. I've heard a <laughs> lot of people say that it performs better when you watch, like, a movie, too. Like, if you watch it all seamlessly and you're not left with all the questions and all the cliffhangers and stuff, I've heard that it, it's better. So, you know. All I've right. Heard that. Yeah, I think, uh, I think the show is the closest to... Uh, the closest we've ever gotten to a, a perfect Star Wars experience, arguably the closest like that is possible to get to a Star Wars experience, I think, in anything live action, TV or movie, it was it. ten out of ten experience. I loved every minute of it. I feel I felt weirdly melancholy and emotional at the end of that show more so than I think I have any other show. I mean, Mando finishes and you're just like, oh man, that was fun. I enjoyed that. Obi Wan finished and I was like, man. I cannot believe that I just watched that and I'm alive to see the tale of Obi-Wan Kenobi. I mean, that's how you <laughs> yeah. feel at the end of yeah. the show. Yes. You're just like, I, I, and I think it's, it's partially because of all of our age here, right? We were all prequel kids and grew up with Obi-Wan. But there was something very 
I think profound about seeing these characters come back on screen. And you know, we haven't even mentioned this at all during this episode, but the the overwhelming just like the the way the community just yelled without interruption like we are so glad you're back was just phenomenal yeah. i mean ewan and like i saw uh i saw uh uh some of hayden on the late night show that he was on like i forget yeah, which one he was on like, the, Fallon, I think, recently. yes and he was just so happy like he seemed legitimately happy like he's finally come to terms with the toxic trauma that was you know his experience in the prequels yeah. and i don't know there's something really cool to see that positivity kind of shine a light in the darkness when you know, the Star Wars community has a history of being, you know, whiny little bitches, so. Right. <laughs> and then we definitely want to the show as well. But, uh, yeah. but it, it, it is the, you know, the light the light wins out. And, yeah, I, I, I disagree completely. It's the best time I've had watching a Star Wars show. Yeah. I can't believe we got it. And I'm just so thankful. And I can't wait for what's next yeah. with, with Andor, with the books, with whatever it will be. But, of course, what's really next is next week's episode of The Living Force, which will be our Star Tours event. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining us to talk about all about Obi-Wan. But on that note, my friends, that'll do it for this week's episode of The Living Force. If you support us on Patreon, thank you so much for all that support. We appreciate it very much. And if you want to be a patron of the week, we'd love to talk about it. Brandon was amazing. You had a lot to live up to. Uh, but a special thank you goes out to Brian Dooley, Patrick Ortiz, Earl Q, and Carl Sander on our Jedi High Council, and Elizabeth Clute T8, and Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command. You can find us on Twitter. I'm at Eric Eilerson. Corey's at Corey M. Helton. Charles is at C. Hankel. Wes is at Boss Wes. A special thank you to Matt Davenport, our amazing editor, Ryan, our graphic designer extraordinaire, and Wes, our producer and community manager. Thank you to Corey, Charles, and Wes for potting me tonight. Thanks to all of you for hanging out and listening. And as always, may the force be with you. There is no hatred. There is joy. There is no division. There is union. There is no apathy. There is passion. There is no gatekeeping. There is community. This is the Utini Star Wars Fan Code. Embrace it, live by it, and above all, trust in the living force. Join the Utini community and surround yourself with like-minded fans at utini.com. And remember, the force will be with you, always.